Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 117. The title of our Sunday worship service for May 19th, 2019 is Eyes on the Prize. It is the third in our series, Truth Talks, BS Walks. Goals and dreams are important, but leaving room for bigger ideas and life-changing surprises is the key to success. So our scripture today, Proverbs 16, 3, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs are easy to talk about, you know what I mean? The kind of stuff that fits in a soundbite, the kind of stuff that can be embroidered or tattooed on something, the kind of thing that works good on a fortune cookie if you want to go that route. And I appreciate that. I mean... There are so many times when people say, you know, I love digging into the Bible and really trying to concentrate on the meaning and figure out what the heck people were talking about when they were talking about the things that they were talking about. And and I want to learn how to do Bible interpretation and all of that kind of stuff. But sometimes, man, can't you just tell me what you want to tell me? I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, I spend a lot of time reading the Bible and thinking about it and digging in. And we want to have more Bible classes. There's some coming up. we got stuff going on. But at the end of the day, sometimes people say, can you just tell me the thing you want to tell me? Come on. i got places to go. So Proverbs work like that. They're nice. But I'll tell you something. As a person... As a people, as a church family, if we're going to change the world, one of the things I want to challenge us with as we venture forward into this Truth Talks and BS Walks series, you want to be a bigger person, a better person, a happier person. Stop settling for nice. Nice is great. Nice is nice. But it can't get you anywhere. Stop settling for, oh, that was nice. I refuse to learn anything from it. I'm going to just let it sail by like somebody on a bicycle. You want to live a life that matters. Let's remember that a couple of months ago we talked about that idea that Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. In other words, I didn't come to make you okay with the way things are. I came to help you change things into what they can be. So no more settling for anything, but not even for nice. And in fact, mm, even those proverbial (laughs) proverbs... When you really think about it, there's more going on there. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Well, that implies something. It means that there's some way I can, I don't know, talk to God. Weird. (laughs) How does that even work? How can I commit my works to the Lord? The fact that it says so in the Bible means there's some way, some kind of common ground, some kind of means of communication, some kind of something. If you want a miraculous life, work for the common ground. Find a way to go, okay, what do I have in common with God? I mean, image and likeness, that's great. What does that look like? How do I do it? This is a big deal. Because mm, I don't know where you went to Sunday school, but it's easy to have this idea that God is really the man upstairs. And we got nothing in common. It's easy to believe that God's stuff happens up there, big, Maybe God was in the past at the beginning of everything and maybe God is later depending on your cosmological idea, but God sure ain't right now. It's easy to believe that it's just too big, this God stuff, and I don't even know where to start. The whole creation of the universe and and all of that stuff, I don't have anything in common with that. It's so easy to believe that God stuff is far away stuff. And if God feels so far away and 
the stuff that I want, the problems that I'm working on are just really immediate. If God is far away, but the things I want, I I just want a job. (laughs) I want the bank account to not be scary. (laughs) I want to fall in love. I want to hold somebody. I want to not feel alone. I want whatever it is. If my problems feel right here and God feels so far away, it's really, it's really easy to develop a, well, let's agree to disagree kind of a relationship with God. It's really easy to, to believe that, you know what, God, you do your thing. No offense, I'll do mine. And I'm going to have my plans and my stuff. But clearly, the things I want are not interesting to you. And in fact, maybe even sinful. Some people believe that. Now, don't get me started on the I came that your joy might be full. Don't get me started on the idea that Jesus actually helped people right now. We don't even have to talk about that right now. But I think everybody that's ever set foot in a church might be familiar with that feeling of far away God, immediate problems, and so I'm just going to do my thing and not worry about the God stuff because I got no frame of reference. I get it. But you know what's a heck of a thing? Because think about your life. Anytime you've had a moment that felt really special, really meaningful, Anytime you've had a moment where there was gravity, when you knew what love looked like for that moment, when you were inspired by something that was just so true, when you felt like, you know what, this is justice. i got to do a thing about this. When you felt bigger. <laughs> man, man, oh man, I was just thinking about it a minute ago. A long time ago when this was the Salvador Dali Museum, I remember standing in this room on a field trip and seeing a giant work of art that didn't make any sense to me, but going, this is a thing. <laughs> I don't know what it is but it's bigger than me in every sense of the word. And there's something happening here that I just want to know about. If you feel those feelings, think about your life. Everybody knows those moments. Maybe not in front of a work of art, but maybe when you fell in love, when you did a thing, when doctor put a baby in your arms, when you got that job, whatever it was. The moments that are meaningful, they might change and vary depending on the kind of person you are and what you're looking for. But one thing every meaningful moment has in common is that it is a feeling of connection. Meaning is defined by being connected to something. When you fall in love, you go, there's this thing that's bigger than me. I don't get it, but I know that I'm part of something bigger. When you feel inspired, when you feel moved, you move into something. So it's a heck of a thing if I've got an agree-to-disagree relationship with God. Because as we always say around here, everything is practice. If you practice isolation, you're only going to feel more alone as time goes on. What if I change things around? If you want a life that is meaningful, insist on connection. Ask yourself, how can I stop compartmentalizing this job? How can I get out of that and into this? How can I stop medicating with medication or with drama or with the video game on my phone or whatever it is? How can I start engaging? If you want a life that works, show up for it. It's not tricky, conceptually at least. In practice... Sometimes it's challenging because where do I start? I've often talked about that phenomenon that I sure experienced when I was growing up, and maybe you have it too, where growing up I really thought that every other adult had a secret handbook. That someday I'd get married or get a mortgage, (laughs) graduate from something, do big people stuff, and all of a sudden someone would take me aside and say, here's the secrets of being an adult. Here's the secret knock. You can get into the treehouse. It's cool. There's a book you read and everybody else has it but you. 
You ever feel that way, that everybody else has their act together but you? Man, I spent so long trying to, trying to figure out, what, where's the, where's the treehouse? Where's the clubhouse? Where's the thing? What do I need to do? I just want to be an adult. What do I need to know? And there's this idea that everybody else knows something you don't. And it is something that is marketed to us. We see it in churches. There's a lot of churches that say if you're not in this special club, you're in a lot of trouble. And you see it in so-called traditional churches. But i got to tell you, sometimes you see it in uh, quote-unquote progressive churches too. Where if you don't got the right beads and you don't say namaste with the right inflection, you're an outsider. Everybody knows something you don't know. It's something that we're marketed to in every commercial. Think about how many times you've seen on television, everyone else knows the secret to a clean, close shave, and you don't. You better get with the program. Everybody else knows how to clean their counters, and you're doing it wrong. Every commercial. Everybody else knows where to bank, and whether it's Travago or whatever it is. That guy's creepy. I don't want to talk about that. But whatever it is, everybody knows something you don't know. It's funny. Because nobody wants to talk about it. It would be so cool if we just compared notes. Because we're all working on this together. But instead of talking about it, there's a lot of people who are just doing their impression of being a grown-up because they don't want anybody else to know that they don't know. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know, big people, they they get married, so I'm going to try to attract this person even though they're the worst person for me. I'm just going to jump into it because on the outside that looks like something. You know what it looks like? Heartache. Big people, they have a lot of money, so I'm going to sacrifice everything I, I believe in to get a lot of money. And then all of a sudden they'll hand me the secret password, right? Nope. Everybody's doing their impression of being a grown-up instead of just being a grown-up. Every once in a while, a hero comes along and reminds us the emperor has no clothes on. And that's a beautiful thing to feel that, to be that. But when I think about that kind of uh, delusion, the con of it, I think about one of my heroes for a weird reason. It's not somebody I really want to emulate, but somebody whose courage I admire and whose brain I admire, even if I don't want to do any of the things that he did. You ever heard of P.T. Barnum? I don't want to be the guy. I'm going to be clear. I'm not saying that. But I admire courage and I admire brains. And those are things that you can take home with you. You know P.T. Barnum? A sucker is born every minute. That P.T. Barnum, the circus guy. There's a story about him before he got into the circus thing, he owned a museum in New York. And he was really good at public relations. And he had people coming from all over the place. And he had ads everywhere. And everybody wanted to see these things in this museum that you couldn't see anywhere else in the world. And people came from all over the place. They came in droves. He's going to be heading up our welcome team later. And, and he just got people from all over the place. People came and they paid their money. And they showed up and they saw the exhibits. But there was a problem. Because once people paid their money, they didn't pay him any more money. They were already in the door. But nobody was leaving. He hadn't invented the gift shop yet. We had to wait for Walt Disney to do that part. So they would just come in. they just show up. And the thing is, after a while, the museum would be full. They couldn't let any more people in. This is the problem. So what do you do? Well, that great brain came up with an idea. He put out ads in the paper and he put signs up everywhere inside the museum. Come and see the great aggress. Well, I don't know what that is, but I'm interested. And there were signs everywhere. Come and see the great aggress. This way to the great aggress. Make a left, make a right. And you would go all through the museum, all through it, just past all the other exhibits. Oh, I can't wait to see the great aggress. I don't know what it is, but man, oh man, I can't wait to see it. And then finally you'd go through this whole museum and there'd be these big doors. This way to the great aggress. Well, I can't wait to see what that is. 
and you'd walk out, you'd open those doors, and you realize that you were back on the street. Because the word egress just means exit. That's all it means. And the doors lock behind you, and you realize there is a sucker born every minute. Now, I love that story for all kinds of reasons, but one of the things I love about it is that there's a great spiritual message. You ready? You don't know everything. It very well may be that, that I've got an idea about how I want things to go, that there are signs that I'm following that gratify my current set of expectations, my ego, my comfort zone, but it could be that there's a key piece of information, like what the heck the word means, that I'm missing. There are people that spend all of their lives just moving past all kinds of beautiful, exotic, wonderful things because they're trying to get to some goal they got. When it turns out, it's a silly goal. They just don't know it. There are people that are so concerned with just getting to the exit that they miss what's going on. That is a spiritual message. Are you looking around? Are you paying attention? Or are you just trying to get out of here? <laughs> you know what I mean? How much time do you spend looking at your watch? It's one of those things. And so I have a little bit of a concern about the, the self-help thing. You know, I got a lot of those books. I read a lot of those books. I'm comfortable in that section of Barnes & Noble. I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, I don't remember, whatever they're called, I don't know. The secret, the not-so-secret, common knowledge, I don't know. I've read them all. And there's a lot of really sweet things. There's a lot of things that are nice. Let's not settle for nice anymore. Because here's the thing that, I, that I'm concerned about. There's a lot of motivational stuff, self-help stuff, that the goal is, you know what, if you read this book, if you do these affirmations, you will learn how to get what you want. You will learn how to follow your goals. Well, guess what? I don't know. I don't know what aggress means. So if I follow that, if I try to get what I want, if I set goals for now based on the current set of goofy things I got going on, I'm not going to have a better life. I'm just going to move forward. There are so many people that are so happy to be moving that they don't realize they're just moving to the exit. Maybe I don't know best. Maybe that has never been my job. Mm, when you think about it, all the wisdom literature of humanity has to do with letting go and letting something bigger than you take control. I think about the, the Bhagavad Gita, the story of Arjuna, but more importantly, I think about our wisdom literature over and over again. God says to Moses, look, I, don't know, I, I know you don't think you're ready, but you're ready. Go do this. We got some people to set free. Here's your Charlton Heston wig. Over and over again. God says to Job, you don't understand what's going on here. Over and over again, God says to Jonah, you're going there by boat or by whale. You're going. When the angel appears to Mary and says, this is going to change everything. And Mary says, who the heck am I? The heroic statement is not the statement of tell me how this is going to go. The heroic statement is when Mary says, here I am, Lord. I don't know anything about this, but I know that I'm supposed to show up for it. Let it be according to your wishes, Father. That is the moment. When I put my goals and dreams secondary, I give my plans up to something bigger than myself, I begin to make room for miracles. And that's important because one of the things I want to do is get done with what I call the co-pilot myth. I like the bumper sticker. Don't get me wrong. God is my co-pilot. It's nice. You know, I'm in the God business. So, you know what, if somebody says God's in the glove compartment, fine, I'll take what I can get. God, great. I like the idea that people are driving around with it on their car, that they want other people to know that God's a part of their life. Cool, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. 
It's nice. It's nice. But there's more than, than nice. I mean, think about it with me. First of all, cars don't have co-pilots. It's a car. But more than that, can I be comfortable with the idea that God knows better than me? Maybe I can move from God is my co-pilot to Jesus take the wheel. But not in that negative I give up sense, but more of a, you know what, I'm ready for something bigger than my ego. This is a big deal. Can you let God drive? Can you let something bigger than you determine what you do next? And this is a big deal because there's a lot of times you can go to church and somebody will say, you know, if you learn these secret prayers, you can get God to do what you want. If you learn these affirmations, you can manifest a new car. Is that really it? Is that the thing? That's what this is about, this relationship with God, all of this stuff? The Spirit moved across the waters so you could get new shoes. Really? That's the thing? Hmm. There's got to be more than that. I mean, it's nice. What if it's not supposed to be based on what my ego says? Ah, uh, yeah, I know, you're supposed to have a happy life. It's, the Bible says so. You're supposed to have joy and you're supposed to have healing and you're supposed to have things that work out and you're supposed to not have to worry about how to pay the bills. That's clear. But never in there does it say you're supposed to know what happens next. That ain't your job. What if God's not my co-pilot anymore? What if I'm just ready to listen? What does that look like? Yeah, stuff is going to happen as a result of your spirituality. You're going to experience healing and promotions and falling in love and all of that stuff without those things being the goal. That's the important thing. Things happen as a result or a byproduct. Which is why when someone says, you know, I'm a great manifester, I worry. I'm just such a good manifester. You know what? I'm not sure what that means. You make things? Cool. I manifest things all the time. I just manifest and manifest and manifest. We all do. It's like saying, you know, I'm a good breather. I do it all day long. I'm so good at gravity, I never spin off into space. Nice. Cool. Because the thing is, of course you're a manifester. The Bible says you will name a thing and that's what it will be for you at the very beginning. As you think in your heart. So you will be. Nothing is made without the power of the word, the Bible says over and over again. The message is what you say and what you do and what you think determines your experience. So of course you're a manifester. That's not the important thing about you. That is a byproduct. It's a participant medal at best. You're not here to make stuff. Stuff happens as a result of who you are. And if you get caught up in the things, the car, the outcome, the the way that people feel about what you're going to say, you stop being a hero and you start heading for the exit. I'm not here to be concerned with the outcome. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear or even what you're going to say. Just show up. Just find a way to get yourself ready. And you'll start to ask more interesting questions. Because that's the thing. That's what we really want. More than to know what's going to happen next, I want to be able to ask interesting questions. What we really look for in life is the disruptors. You know, when you think about it, that's what people say in the business world, for example. They go, we want someone who's going to disrupt the food truck industry, or we want somebody who's going to disrupt healthcare. We want somebody that's going to disrupt this and that and the other, to change things, to ask questions, to shake things up. It's everywhere. And that's noble. I mean, it's nice to find someone that's going to say, no more. 
Look, I don't know what right is, but I know this ain't it, and so let's move things around, let's change things. That's a heroic moment. Someone who challenges the status quo, whether it's uh, societal or personal, that says, you know what, we're going to find a different way. Healing has got to be possible. I don't know what this is going to be, but I know it ain't this. That's beautiful. And it's really beautiful when we remember that the ultimate disruption is love. When you love something, you shake it up, man. When you love something, what you thought was important is gone. When you love something, Maslow's hierarchy of needs tumbles down. None of that matters. When you love something or someone or something, it all just goes away. The ultimate disruption is when you love the Lord your God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy might and love thy neighbor as thyself. You've heard that one before and that's a lot. So let me just start with just love. Because love is the power that puts you in the moment. Instead of waiting for something to end, you wait for something to start. So can you love something today? Can you find something you love instead of making plans for how it's going to work out? Instead of that, just deciding, you know what, I don't know. People say, humans plan and God laughs. And I like that saying a little bit. It's nice. But I don't like that adversarial idea. God ain't laughing at you. But the moment you try to control things, the moment you decide that you know best is the moment your life stops being a love story and starts being a comedy. And you know it because you've done it. So have I. What if I just show up? That's all. That's all I'm saying. Just show up. As ready as you can be, just show up. Because here's the thing I want you to know. God is here. (laughs) It sounds crazy. But that's the whole thing. How would you act if Jesus Christ was in the room? How would you act if God was in the room? How would you act if the things you said came true in your life? Thou shalt name a thing and that's what it will be for you. What if God is here? Now, like I said at the beginning, I understand that there are people who think that God is an absentee landlord somewhere far away and their whole theology is wait till your father comes home and all that. I get it. People read the Old Testament and the idea of some guy in the sky somewhere up to next to where the Care Bears live or whatever, somewhere in the... Boy, I'm dating myself. Somewhere, somewhere far away. I get it. And you read those commandments. Thou shalt not worship any other gods but me. And you go, got it. But what does that mean? I don't even know how to worship that one God. I, what do I do? How do we talk? Where, where is that? Where do I go? Vatican City? Pinellas Park? Sedona? I don't know. How does it work? It's too big. Sometimes you get these commandments, these ideas, and they feel so far away that I don't even know how to do it. And so I say, you know what? Whatever. I'll see you later. For some people, that's what church is. It's just checking in. It's like, oh, I better call the old man. It's Father's Day. It's like that. I don't know how to talk to you. So here. Here's some money in the plate. I'll show up. We're good, right? When it can be so much more than that. Here comes Jesus Christ saying, you can't serve two masters in your life right now. In your life right now. Keep your eyes single. In other words, find something that's true, something that's noble, something that's loved, something that's revolutionary, something that's healthy. And focus on it. And all of a sudden we realize that that statement, keep your eyes single, fulfills that big old commandment. But you see, that's one of the... the Reasons that Jesus Christ is so important. Sometimes people say, why Jesus? I mean, there's so many important heroes. 
I mean, you know, the Buddha and Moses and, and Muhammad and so on and so on and Spider-Man or whatever. I don't know. How come? How come Jesus? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, we just got done with Easter. Kind of a big deal. But we don't even have to go there right now. For this moment, right now, the reason for Jesus, or I should say one of the reasons, is that for Jesus, it's right now. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. For once, theology isn't about looking for the exit. For once, God is where you are. And everything that you do matters. Not because of what's going to happen next. This is about radical unattachment to the outcome. But for once, it's about saying right now, this, whatever it is, this life, this love matters. Right now. I know you've got hopes and dreams and goals. Of course you do. And you should. It's okay. I'm not telling you don't have a dream. In fact, the reason that you look to the horizon is because God wants you to grow. God gives each and every one of us the power of freedom and a yearning for justice. And how we use one to resolve the other is the story of our lives, right? So, of course, you've got hopes and dreams. They came from God. And people go, great, they came from God. I don't know what to do about that because that, that desire gets filtered through my ego and my emotional baggage and my stuff and, and whatever's on the Lifetime channel. So how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because here's the thing. You want to figure out how to do hopes and dreams and goals and stuff that are in alignment with what it said in Proverbs where you commit your plans to God and all that? Here's how. Change it from a from to a to. In other words, it's, it's fine that your hopes and dreams come from this divine connection you have. It's okay that they come from God. But what if instead of worrying about that, I start saying, what if my plans are to God? What if the things I do speak to my divine connection? What if the thing I do is for God? The job you do, can you do it for God? If you can, you're going to get good at it. You're going to get promotions. It's going to work out. But if you cannot honestly say that I feel that this is a divine connection, then you should quit doing it because you're in somebody else's way. That's just the deal. Can you do it to God? I want you to imagine that you're going into a temple And you're going to prepare this offering to put on the altar. And you make it as nice as you can. Perfect offering. And you set it there on the altar and you step away. Because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give over. Take all of your hopes and all of your dreams and all of the things. I want each and every one of us to be super clear about what they want. That vision that you have for a life that works, a job that makes sense. You want a new car? Fine. It's okay to want a new car. Whatever it is. You want to fall in love? Awesome. Do whatever it is. Take all of your hopes and dreams and package them up. Get as clear as you can. Tell somebody you care about, this is what you're shooting for. Do whatever you need to do. Find an editor. Do your thing. Package up all of those hopes and dreams. And in your prayer time, I want you to say, okay, God, this is the best of what I got. Here you go. God, this is the best of my understanding, but I know that you know better than I do. God, this is what I got, but I know that your love is going to show me what a miracle is and I am open to being surprised. I am open to something bigger than me for once. God, I get out of the way. Do what you got to do, but learn how to let it go. Instead of planning what's going to happen, what if my whole effort was just on getting ready? Remember those movies, like every movie in the 80s where they had that training montage where Daniel LaRusso is with Mr. Miyagi and he's getting ready? Rocky's up on the mountain and he's shouting about Ivan Drago or in Revenge of the Nerds. Don't see Revenge of the Nerds. But in Revenge of the Nerds where they're cleaning up the house. Every movie in the 80s has that training montage where they get ready. 
This is your training montage. Find conversations and relationships that get you ready. Take all of your hopes and dreams and desire to plan and plan this. How can I be more ready for God in my life? Get ready in every way you can. And then let it go. Set it free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.